welcome to the most excellent 80s movies podcast. It's the podcast where we bah humbug our way through the 80s movies we think we love or might have missed with these our modern eyes to see how they held up now that we're all grown up. And today we're talking about Scrooged, a movie selection from 1988, about which Letterbox says, The spirits will move you in odd and hysterical ways. In this modern take on Charles Dickens's A Christmas Carol, Frank Cross, played by Bill Murray, is a wildly successful television executive whose cold ambition and curmudgeonly nature has driven away the love of his life, Claire Phillips, played by Karen Allen. But after firing a staff member, played by Bobcat Goldthwaite, on Christmas Eve, Frank is visited by a series of ghosts who give him a chance to reevaluate his actions and right the wrongs of his past. Scrooged from 1988. I am Chrissy Lenz, director of the Neighborhood Comedy Theater in downtown Mesa, Arizona. And with me, as always, is Nathan Blackwell. Uh, I'm an independent filmmaker. Welcome, Nathan Blackwell, to this. Welcome, Chrissy Lenz. I guess this is our holiday episode. Yeah. And unconsciously, I don't know when this is going to come out in relation, but it's our... We just did. Is this going to come after Lethal Weapon or is there another one between that? Yes, this is going to come after Lethal Weapon. So it inadvertently becomes a Richard Donner, the director, double feature. Oh, no, wait. It's going to be Lethal Weapon, then Dead Poet Society, then Richard Donner. Again. I I retract my comment. (laughs) It's the season, though. He's got a season. It's the season of Richard Donner. Yeah, he loves Christmas. Well, it seems so. Uh, what about Loving Christmas for you? Is this a favorite Christmas movie? Nathan will go on record as Loving Christmas, yes. Um, oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, I would say it's, you know, it's it's like, are you a Halloween person? Are you a Christmas person? Not that um, you need to pick one or the other, uh, but I find myself to be more of a Christmas person, I suppose, you know, I just mm-hmm. I enjoy I enjoy it when the, the weather gets cold finally and, you know, it's about warmth like I, you know, <laughs> not just temperature, though, but, you know, just kind of like the year is winding down and it's a little less stressful and it, it kind of, you know, people tend to take like a full week off of uh, for Christmas, you know, yeah. And and no one takes Halloween off. And so it kind of gives it kind of becomes a time to unwind, you know, see some family. And um, and and that's kind of nice for me. Like, I'm not I I wouldn't say that I'm super into Christmas music. Uh, It's usually a little more of a bane for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I do enjoy putting on a couple of like I genuinely enjoy. Uh, although I bought it irreverently, uh, a Billy Idol Chris, uh, Billy Idol Christmas. Oh yay! Billy Idol sings Christmas songs, and then so the like the staples in our in our house uh, are is is like an Elvis Christmas and and Billy Idol. So those are the two classics. You can't get mm-hmm. by without those two classics, Elvis sure. and Billy Idol. And so what what about you? 
Oh, I love Christmas. I am finding, though, that this year both my kids are teenagers, and so they're very hard to, like, shop for. Mm -hmm. So the gift-giving piece of the puzzle, which has always been a source of joy for me, is Mm -hmm. uh, somewhat... um, missing from this year's festivities because both the Mm. children are just like uh i don't i don't need anything i don't really want anything (laughs) yeah money it's tough also for adults when you're if you're shopping for a budget range of like 10 20 bucks it's like well that's something like if i wanted that then i could have just easily bought it you know right right exactly and if you need it you buy it for yourself so I really enjoy gift giving, mm-hmm. but it's 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 tricky this year. Yeah. I'm finding. Yeah, um, one year um, I this was a long time ago. I was in college, but um, I did all of my. I, I had <laughs> it was sort of a. I, I suppose you'd say it was a bit of a a, a stunt, but I did all okay. my all my Christmas shopping uh, for everyone that I knew at Karate Mart. And What's so, Karate Mart? Well, it's well, it's a a a, um, a resource, uh, shall we say, for purchasing karate gear or ninja gear or martial arts equipment. Um, oh, I see. So yeah, so everyone got they, martial they got, arts equipment. Yeah, it, it was basically you know like a Batman throwing star or you know caltrops, which you use to you know, impede people's footsteps and, mm-hmm. um, you know, like retractable knives and things like that. So, well, Merry Christmas. Nothing says Merry Christmas, Christmas like karate supplies. <laughs> <laughs> they did have a couple of like pseudo Buddhist, you know, meditation kind of things that I probably ended up getting like, you know, some sort of decorative thing for my mom but um mm-hmm. yeah i haven't been back to credit martin sometime i hope there's no your mom there. didn't get caltrops uh honestly it's 50 50 my memory isn't what it was um i very well could have gotten her caltrops yes yeah <laughs> so in terms of uh christmas time and christmas movies is scrooged one of your go-tos well you know what i can't say that it that I mean, I feel like it was in the rotation when we were younger. Um, okay. And that's the thing. It's like I haven't returned to it in a long time. Like I, I feel like the the stuff that I watch nowadays, like I don't even watch the whole thing. You know, it's like, okay, so we I, I've now seen 15 minutes of A Christmas Story. Okay, I'm good. You know, right? right. <laughs> like I just have it on in the background. Yeah, it usually nowadays it's in the pursuit of some new, fun, goofy Christmas experience. It's like, oh, let's watch. Oh, they made a sequel to the Kurt Russell Santa Claus movie. Let's watch that. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and then one of them is like uh, that. I'll probably be rewatching is my deep cut recommendation. So I'll bring that up okay. later. But yeah. Um, I wouldn't I, I feel like we're not really into the we've got to see this every year other than maybe being like, OK, so is is this December uh, Lord of the Rings rewatch or Harry Potter rewatch? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just watched Harry Potter last night with Rocket. There you go. So I, I, I for me, it's like a three year cycle. It's like 
It's either Lord of the Rings, then Harry Potter, then neither. It's like, well, we just watched them last time. And then that year off, then it's like, well, now I, I want to rewatch such and such. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, how about for you? Um, well, I have never seen Scrooge before. What? Yeah. That's interesting. I've uh, seen uh-huh. all the highlights, all the parts that yeah. you see on the TV year after the year, clips. but I've never seen the movie and mm-hmm. i have to say i didn't really enjoy it you know what i am bummed that i my my opinion of the movie dropped from because i you know i it's like oh scrooge that's that's a fun one that's kind of a a beetle take on christmas mm-hmm. you know it's mm-hmm. like over the top comedy bill murray who who doesn't love bill murray and so my memory of it is maybe even, you know, like it's probably been 10 years since I've seen Scrooge has kind of fallen down a tier. Yeah. For yeah. me, it never got above uh, the beginning. Like it started strong. Mm. Yes. And then it just never got back up again. Um, and I do love Bill Murray. It's not for a lack of love for Bill Murray. And I could see uh, really liking it because it's a Bill Murray vehicle. Yeah. Well, Um, like anyone, especially anyone who's got a strong personality or does a lot of improv, like there's a good Bill Murray and a bad Bill Murray. You know, it's mm -hmm. like there's like a there's like a, you know, it's sometimes you get too much of it and you get a little sick to your stomach or it just doesn't work out right. You know, like in, 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 in my opinion on this one, just rewatching it, like it felt like there was just a lot of unhinged improv that, that just occasionally bumped us off the track, you know, right? like I wasn't watching the character. I was watching Bill Murray do something irreverent and kind of tossed the script away in this moment. And it felt sometimes too meta, you know, like I was aware of the actor. Yeah. I was very aware of the actor and I was very aware of the, um, uh, it going from Bill Murray being like, I need to be silly. I'm Bill Murray. I'm this lovable Mm -hmm. scamp. Who's a a lovable asshole to, uh, Oh wait, right. I'm supposed to be an actual asshole. Yeah, um, and and I'm on record as being a big fan of the lovable <laughs> asshole, you know, as a character. Um, as am I, as am I. But I think they were trying so hard to make him, uh, ir- you know, irredeemable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bill Murray didn't quite get there for me. I mean, even in the moments where he's like watching through the telescope as he's fired Bobcat Goldthwait. Mm-hmm. And he seems to well, be like reveling in it. It's like... Well, it's so broad. That's the thing. It's so broad. His e- his quote evilness. You know, it's it's um, it's also tough in any kind of movie. It it's boring, but little plot points of development of of where the character is, especially in a redemption story. Like you have to, if you're telling a redemption story, you have to be able to believe in the transformation in the turn. You know, that's like mm-hmm. the most important part is like when his, you know, his belief in in, um, you know, in himself is challenged. It has to feel real, 
And right. and when it's the final turn, that has to work. That has to be believable as well. And it's tough when you have something that is occasionally so broad. And but also with like improv, you sometimes lose those moments in there of the boring moments of character and consistency and transformation, you know, those little bits mm-hmm. where the character mm-hmm. kind of has his paradigm cracked a bit, not shattered, but just the little cracks, you know? Yeah. And there is, as you said, a Tim Burtony quality to this, you know, a Beetlejuicean quality to this that becomes really um, darkly slapstick. Mm-hmm. But it never quite finds the Beetlejuicean joy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in my mind. Yeah, and it's and honestly, like it's not just Bill Murray. Like the other characters feel like they're in a rushed situation as well. You know, yeah, like I agree. like they're like Alfred Woodard and Bobcat Goldthwait, they feel like they've been kind of hurried along. You know, like it's almost like they only got two or three takes, you know, right, right to get it down. And I did read that uh, Bill Murray did not get along with Richard Donner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that they uh, had a had a big disagreement about how much improvising should be done and how much shouting should be done. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, And and for the record, Richard Donner was pro shouting. Yes, he was pro shouting, and I think a lot of the shouting ended up on the screen. Yeah, because there's a lot of shouting. Yep. Yeah, it, it, and and also like, so I so when I say a lot of the movie feels rushed and the improv feels sometimes inconsistent, I'm not totally blaming Bill Murray because I no, feel no. like that that's kind of happening even in the other stuff. You know, like I feel like. Like in the beginning of the movie, like the comedy scenes are shot almost like dramatic scenes. Like it's very yeah. tight close ups. And you just, you know, it's like comedy is tricky. Like I'm not one of these believers that comedy has to be super bright. Um, it has to be realistic. It has to be, you know, like what real life is. Um, right. But you have to see people's faces. And really tight like long lens close-ups it's tough on comedy because you 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 need to see both people you need to see the people's eyes and so if one is in focus and one is out of focus as like sometimes you might do in a drama you know very that shallow focus it it's tough for us and if it's really tight like we don't even see their shoulders that's tough too because they're body language is super important as well, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, it, you know, yeah. So for me, Richard Donner missed a few steps by the way he shot some of the scenes at the beginning or even some of the scenes throughout where we're just not seeing enough of the, the performers to kind of let the comedy happen. Right. It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. So the beginning is uh, we start in a little Christmas town and it's like a a little Christmas village, but there's guns and bombs and all of a sudden it's Lee Majors. Mm -hmm. 
It's a movie within the movie, and then we see a bunch of commercials for shows on this IBC network, including one called Father Loves Beaver. Mm-hmm. So you talk about broad. Yeah. It's like a leave it to beaver, and, and they're like, where's dad? Oh, he's probably out chasing beaver. Father loves beaver. Like, what? That's crazy. Uh-huh. Um, so he's like, show me the Scrooge promo. It's Bill Murray, and everyone, all the other executives are sort of afraid of him. They show him the pro- the the Scrooge promo. And he's like, this is not good enough. People have to be so afraid to miss it that they're going to lose their minds if they miss it. And he shows one that's like nuclear war and disaster and uh, Mm -hmm. don't miss Scrooge. Bobcat Goldthwait kind of stands up to him and says, you can't show that. That'll it'll scare people. And we don't want to scare people. It's Christmas. And so he gets fired. Mm hmm. Uh, Bill Murray tears down a child's drawing from his uh, Alfre Woodard's office. Yeah, it, it feels like so, you know, not just this execution, but we all, we kind of have to talk about other ver- like a, a Christmas Carol, I feel like is in the the top three of movies that we keep remaking. It might even yeah. be the number one. Um, And you have to kind of judge any of these movies it's like okay well um what are they going to be doing original on their take of the 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 three spirits you know how are they going to handle the transformation you know uh and then how do they handle their version of scrooge you know and 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 that's one of those things as we're going along in the story we should say like well how did they deal with this ghost this spirit did they do it interesting? Did they do it, uh, you know, original? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in terms of like, and I kind of feel like Alfre Woodard and Bobcat Goldthwait are like Bob Cratchit split. Right. You know? Because Alfre Woodard never really seems to be his enemy. She's, she seems to be his, uh, his somewhat reluctant accomplice. Right. And she, she, uh, she exists to be the mom of the tiny Tim character right right exactly and bobcat goldthwaite gets fired he his wife leaves him he gets kicked out of his house and he all he's trying to do is get a drink and every time he tries to get a drink he gets splashed with water or like nearly run over by a car he just hits the bottom of the barrel so Mm -hmm. quickly and then of course his only recourse is murder suicide what assumes uh, so we learn that Grace's son doesn't speak. Grace is Alfre Woodard, who is uh, uh, Scrooge's um, or Frank Cross's assistant. Mm-hmm. Uh, her youngest son doesn't speak. And we don't know why. And she doesn't know why. Um, so we uh, get we meet him and we get all this meanness. And then all of a sudden his door is pounding and explodes. It's a dead guy. It's his old boss. Who's trying to say. You got to wake up. You're going to be visited by three ghosts. The first one's going to come to you tomorrow at noon. Uh, And he holds him out a window and drops him uh, down the window and dials the phone to call Claire, who he hasn't spoken to in 15 years. Right. And 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 Claire is when so Claire was a in my mind, like a, a quick breath of fresh air. 
because uh, mm-hmm. she's played by uh, Karen Allen, who is Marion in Raiders Lost Ark. Yeah. And she she immediately like brings a charm and and a gravity to the film that I felt like like when I was <laughs> watching the scenes with her and Bill Murray, um, like you felt bad about how she was kind of getting run over by improv. Yes, for sure. Because she comes down to see him on the set. The next day he goes to the set and the censor is like, these dancers nipples are showing. You got to cover up the nipples. And he's like, why? We want to see the nipples. It's Christmas. (laughs) Uh, She shows up and uh, she's calling him lumpy and she's being very sweet to him and he's being uh, funny back to her. Um, But then um, she uh, she has to leave. Yeah. And uh, it's because- and it's tough because you know, she is the like real character in the movie. Mm-hmm. The one mm-hmm. who's not playing it broad or comedy. She's the, the heart character. And in the story, it's a good invention, you know, because it gives him a, a reason or a person to kind of change or transform for, you know, since we're not doing an old man Scrooge. Yeah. You know. Um, I, I think, you know, like Scrooge have, you know, had experiences of like love that fell through his fingers. And, yeah. but now he's an old man. He de- of course doesn't deserve l- romantic love anymore. Well, um, and she seems so willing to like be with him and forgive yeah, him. And, exactly. As he's know. clearly being a, a super broad cartoony evil person. He wants to like staple antlers to a mouse's head. Yeah, and and so that's where the the broadness really works against it. Where she's you know a a romantic love interest who seems genuine, and she you know she volunteers and gives to the poor, and you know and um, and we like her. But then he's doing things that are obviously like like a thousand. He's like firing off red flags left and right, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like, okay, so I, I guess I'm just, uh, okay. I, it's not, I'm not, I'm not believing any of the things I see and, but the movie is saying, just go with it. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like this movie is, that's the thing that really didn't like suck me into the movie is because I felt like the movie was saying, you just go with it. You're going to love it. Yeah. It's tough. I feel like the, like you know, I th- feel like there's a similarity between Scrooged and um, Spielberg's 1941 to where it's like these really accomplished directors who are kind of getting a little out of the wheel- wheelhouse and doing comedy and it being so broad and big and not really fine tuning where that comedy needs to land and dance, you know, mm-hmm. like their idea for even funnier is even louder. Yeah. It's more shouting says Richard Donner. Yeah. And, you know, it was like 1941 is that to the, the several degrees even higher to where it's so bombastic and so broad and so loud that you, you just don't have any time to, to, to to you know to absorb anything you know and i feel mm-hmm. like this does a better job like scrooge is a better movie than 1941 but they still kind of suffer from that uh 
um, that that kind of approach to comedy is that you know it's like whereas like let's say like a director like Harold Ramis or Ivan Reitman, they know how to. Uh, to it's like I think Scrooge is like the first movie that Bill Murray did since Ghostbusters. Like he took mm-hmm. a couple of years off and then came back for this. Like Ghostbusters is able to rein in Bill Murray, mm-hmm. you know. Um, well, maybe because the, it's an ensemble, you know, and he's yeah, flanked but, by other comedic presences. Right. But e- even just the story of Ghostbusters is able to rein in Bill Murray. And that's mm-hmm. the way And Scrooge should be able to rein in the, you know, it's, it's, it's more just like, okay, so yes, you've got an actor who's improving, but it still has to slot into the story you're trying to tell and some, and, and not lose those little moments of, of humanity or storytelling in it, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we meet the ghost of Christmas past. He's a crazy cab driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, he takes him to his old house where he gets five pounds of veal for Christmas or five pounds of veal. Sorry. Five pounds of veal for Christmas. Uh, and he just watches TV like he's a kid. He just watched TV and the mom is there and the mom leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, we see yeah. an old office Christmas party where Karen Allen is there uh, or he finds Karen Allen. He was working. OK, we see him at an old Christmas party and he's working, working, working and not taking time out to enjoy the holiday. Uh, he bumps into Karen Allen on the street. Literally, they bump into each other and that's where they meet cute. One year later. He is giving her a set of Ginsu knives as a gift. And then uh, several years after that, things are falling apart as he's in a dog suit and he needs to go to dinner with the boss. But mm-hmm. she's like, well, we have plans to go have dinner with our friends. And Bill Murray says, you're not prioritizing me. And she's like, maybe we should take a break. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So what did you think of the cab driver as the ghost of Christmas past? I thought he was cute. Yeah, I th- I thought it was a fun again. Like I so I said like any any of these Christmas stories, they're either doing the literal one or they're doing a, a reinvention, mm-hmm. you know. And and I they had to kind of invent for this something an original take on each of them, and I felt like they did a good job. You know? Yeah, I like the cab driver. I thought he was fun. Yeah, and and then and later it made the- sense that the cab would take them back in time. Yeah, and so that that was that was interesting. Um, I, you know, it's like, I didn't like the little kid part. Like the, the, the four pounds of veal was fun, but so what was the ghost shaming the kid for just only watching TV and not living life? Like he was a little kid, like he didn't have a lot of agency, you know? Right. Um, but what I did respond to was the scenes with Bill Murray and Karen Allen, like, Mm-hmm. It felt like suddenly we they were playing human people and they still yeah. it still got to be fun, you know. I'm not Mr. you know, boohoo drama, you know, character only, you know, like I, I still want to be fun, but they felt like real people. Like no I matter agree. what, no matter what kind of comedy you're doing, like the three amigos, they feel like real people because they they're you know, it they're calibrated to not go too far that it, it becomes meta and we're seeing just like Martin short do a bit, 
you know, or something like that. It still feels like, like the character has reason to be them, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like this section worked a lot. And, and uh, because, you know, we, we were also trying to deconstruct how he got to be that way, you know? Um, right. Right. Um, and because they're cute together. Yeah. Yeah. And because we feel the sadness for Karen Allen when she's like, maybe we need to take a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, it even that moment, it felt kind of forced to where they were in different movies, you know? Yeah, I agree. Um, so after this, he goes to visit her at her work where she takes care of homeless people. And uh, for a minute, he has some playful fun with some of the uh, homeless people who are there. And then he immediately reverts to his evil self, trying to fire her volunteers and tell her that they're incompetent because they can't let her leave. Mm-hmm. And it's just his evil side comes out. And it's like they go from having such a nice moment and they're kissing and he's like, let's go spend time together to immediately he's evil. And he's like, you got to cut these people loose. They're dragging yeah. you down. That that wasn't a very believable turn for me. No, no. Um, so he goes back to the set and the other, the sleazy guy from LA is taken over. And then finally Carol Kane comes in as the ghost of Christmas present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, she, and her whole stick is that she's beating him up. Yeah. She's basically <laughs> a sadomasochist, um, which is fun. Yeah. And I thought she, I love Carol Kane. Mm-hmm. In, in Cause whatever. normally for like the ghost of, of Christmas present, you've got like, like the, uh, the big like the feast and famine kind of thing um you've got like the the big gregarious man you know right and and i feel like in um uh christmas uh story christmas christmas carol um type stories like the 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 christmas present is the one that you've got a lot the most flexibility you know Mm -hmm. like i feel like the um christmas like everyone on the christmas future has to go with like the grim reaper you know that's the one that's kind of locked in the most um but usually um like the christmas present you get a little more flexibility in terms of doing something a little different so we get carol kane who's an abusive fairy yes uh, which goes very nicely with her cutesy, you know, sort of high, uh, very specific Carol Kane voice. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she just ver- the shit out of him. Very much with her and the cabbie, they're leaning into the performer. They're right. not having the performer do a wild take. They're basically, they've hired the specific person to kind of do their thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we see Alfrey Woodard's Christmas. We learn that the kid hasn't talked since the dad died, but they're having fun. They don't have much, but they have each other, so they're having fun. They're blowing Zerberts on each other's bellies. Uh, we see the brother's Christmas, the brother who is really Bill Murray's brother. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Murray's dad was also played by one of Bill Murray's brothers. Yeah. Um, they're having a fun house party. They're playing games. Bill Murray is frustrated that they keep getting the wrong answers to trivial pursuit questions. Um, there's a Trump tower joke that happens. Uh, he ends up under the street and he sees one of the guys from the homeless shelter who he had been sort of funning with earlier, dead and frozen. Yeah. 
And this is a real moment of realization for him. Yeah. But yeah, it's his his transformation. You get it in moments and then he reverts to evil kind of not for like like these pivot points to where he goes evil again. It doesn't feel like it's actually motivated. It just feels like now here's where the joke should be. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he goes back to the set. The show is starting. He's in his office drinking. The show is happening. Uh, the big skeleton arm of the Grim Reaper of the Ghost of Christmas Future tries to get him, but misses because Go- Bobcat Goldthwait comes in with a gun. Yeah, so he comes in with a double barrel shotgun, ready to kill him. Ready to kill, kill, kill. Um, he gets cornered, but he gets away, and then suddenly the ghost is there. And he gets an interlude away from Bobcat Goldthwait to go with the ghost. Mm-hmm. He sees the future of Grace's son being in an institution. Claire is a rich bitch with a very pale face who's like, scrape him off, a friend told me. Scrape him off is what I did. And now I'm a rich bitch. <laughs> He's dead. His body is being cremated in what is like a really, really, really disturbing scene. Yeah. Where we're like in the coffin with him and his feet are burning. That was just like, that had no place being in a comedy movie. (laughs) It was so disturbing. (laughs) Yeah. uh, This, this sequence didn't quite work for me Mm -hmm. because all of the future things are so absurd. Yeah. They're so absurd. Like they're played absurdly. Like it's, it, it was a choice. Like, I don't believe that they I don't believe that they would happen. Yes. And so for for that to be the 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 turn of his transformation just didn't work for me. Um, Me either. Now, having said that, like I've so having them shoot a live Christmas, uh, you know, Christmas Carol production was a lot of fun because you got to see the sets and the performers and it was visually interesting you know, you know, so you've got the, you've got to turn the transformation, but then you've got to do the, you know, uh, what what day is it? Oh, I haven't missed it. The Merry Christmas, like the, you know, yeah. Sc- Scrooge transformed sequence. Like I felt like it was very protracted, but I felt like like this sequence did work for me of him gathering people together and getting the ball rolling. It's like, oh my gosh, he's on live TV. He's lost his mind. And slowly getting everyone... Like, I felt this was the Bill Murray that I was hoping to see throughout the movie to where, yes, he's charismatic. Yes, he's a, he's chaotic. But it it this this seemed scripted, you know? You mean the part where he, is, uh, he comes back and Bobcat Goldthwait, he... he makes an ally of him giving him his job back even though yeah, where he's no bringing way he's in... get his job back yeah he's exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah. but he makes an ally of him yeah you know just the whole sequence where he's in front of the camera everyone is watching him camera, yeah yeah he's it, it, in front of the camera and he's like hey it's christmas everyone let's talk about christmas yeah and i felt like that that this sequence worked worked for me um much more than some of the other sequences where we're trying to balance the comedy and the drama. Yeah. He calls out to Claire and Claire comes down to the set. Of course, 
He's like, miracles can happen if you have to get greedy for the good feelings. You have to get greedy for the good feelings, which I liked. Mm-hmm. And the little kid uh, and Alfred Woodard shut up and the little kid's like, God bless us, everyone. Claire uh, shows up and they kiss. Everyone starts singing, put a little love in your heart. And that's Scrooged. <laughs> yeah. It, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I'm a little. It just kind of, it just kind of happened, you know, it just kind of went along. I don't think I laughed out loud even once. Uh-huh. I think I, don't I did think once. I giggled. Which but part? I don't know. Um, it's hard to say. I thought um, it was going to be really funny based on the, the very slapsticky beginning where they're like, yeah. Father loves Beaver and all the, you know, it's Lee Majors. Mm-hmm. Okay, Lee Majors. I, yeah, I think I laughed at Lee Majors. I think I laughed okay. at Lee Majors. <laughs> where, where like Santa pays him a compliment and he's like, huh, okay. Uh huh. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a little bit of a, like, it's a little bit of a bummer how my perception of this movie kind of dropped down a bit, I'm afraid, you know? Well, mine did too. And I, although I did like the Ghost of Christmas Future, uh, is a big, um, scully, skeletony, um, Grim Reaper, but he opens up his chest and he's got like little ghosts in there. Mm-hmm. And then a and television then monitor for a face. A television monitor fun. for a face, which was really good. Um, but later, Bill Murray, once he's gone good, he opens it up again, and they've all got little Christmas presents <laughs> and like eggnog. Mm-hmm. The ghosts inside. I thought that was funny. I didn't laugh, mm-hmm. but I thought it was funny and cute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, on a scale of one mouse with antlers stapled to its head, right? To ten mm. mice with antlers stapled to their heads. It's yeah. It's how many? It's tough. You give Scrooge. It's a tough. It. Ugh. I think I'm gonna go with a six. Okay. Um, I really kind of fluctuated between a six and seven, but kind of having our conversation, I I realize I keep on um, pushing towards the six. Yeah. Um, yeah, as a kid though, this was like a this was like an eight for sure. Okay, um, I I could see thinking it was funnier if you were a kid. Rocket wouldn't watch it with me. Yeah, see, no it's, it's like when you're when you're a kid, and I'm talking like preteens. Like the wacky people are the best, you know. And then rewatching some of these movies where. Oh, you had like the wacky, silly guy on the ensemble team. Like he was the coolest. And then now you realize, oh, man, that is just just doesn't fit into the movie yeah. at all. Like that yeah. is just like pandering to the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where this movie, unfortunately, fell for me. Yeah. And it's rated PG-13, so it's not not intended for kids. Right. But uh, yeah, Rocket had no interest in. Uh, I think his in kids will still like me. it. I I don't think it's it's a thing in terms of oh this was eighties style humor. Like I think kids might when I really like this movie, 
kids today would still probably be in, into it as well. You know, mm. I'm, sh- you know, I don't I, know. The the trailer didn't appeal to Rocket at all. Mm. I was like, watch this movie with me. We were sitting down to watch an old Christmas movie and we ended up watching Fred Claus because he wouldn't watch this one with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. We chose the worst of the two movies. <laughs> But there is nothing about the trailer that appealed to him. So I think I give it a five on a scale of one mouse with antlers to Mm. ten mouses with antlers. Because I thought it was just fine. It was just, it was fine. It wasn't, I didn't find it funny. I didn't find it, you know, very charming. I thought it was cute. I thought it was fine. Mm -hmm. I thought it was not Bill Murray's finest. Mm -hmm. I thought it was not Richard Donner's finest. It was just uh, an okay Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. What a bummer! I thought this would be a really fun <laughs> comedy. One. Merry Christmas, everyone! Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas! Well, speaking of Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. What is your deep cut recommendation? So my deep cut recommendation—it's also kind of an irreverent take on a Christmas Carol. So um, it's mine. It's called the. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna mentally guess what you, I, I feel like. I know what your deep cut's gonna be. And so I'm going to guess. Um, but yeah, so my uh, mine is called A Christmas Carol Gone Wrong. Um, and so there, there's this whole series. It's like originally based off of uh, a stage performance of like the play that goes wrong. Which I love. Um, yeah. And so this is A Christmas Carol Gone Wrong. Oh, where the yay. actors from that, um, what they have done is that there's they take over it's basically a so this is a, a, a british uh, series or not series it's kind of like you know they created the play and then it turned into a, you know peter pang goes wrong christmas carol goes wrong and then the goes wrong show the whole idea is that they're amateur local drama society um and the plays they put on just disintegrate on yeah on stage and so in this case this is a little more broad but basically they hijack a bbc live bbc production of a christmas carol and so they've they've kidnapped all the main actors and they're gonna and they are substituting themselves in the parts in this live production and then everything goes wrong every scene and so it's really more about the um the fun and inventiveness of how each moment and scene can fall apart, you know, as I love they it. struggle through it. And I think it's available for free with ads right now. Okay. I think I saw it when we were looking through Christmas movies. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I can't wait. I can't wait to watch it. I'm going to make rocket watch it with me. Cool. Uh, do you want to guess what mine is? Is it spirited? It's spirited. <laughs> that was a it was a close one for me. Like when I was trying to figure out, yeah. But that's another great take on the same idea, you know. Yeah, a reinvention, another, a modern reinvention of a Christmas Carol with Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. It's funny. It's musical. There's a whole uh, song about how in the in the Victorian era, "Good Afternoon" was the rudest thing you could say to someone. So there's a whole song mm-hmm. where they say. They run around saying good afternoon to everyone they meet. Um, it's charming. It's witty. It's a it's a clever take. It's a modern take. It's funny. Uh, and I loved it. It's spirited. Awesome. Great. 
And I think the the director, the writer director who did that is originally from here. Um, from Phoenix? In the day. Yeah. Uh, it came out in 2022. Yeah. So it came out last year. Uh, I do. I recommend it highly. Uh, the writer director. Let's see. Sean Anders. Yeah, he Sean did. Sean Anders. His, his first film, Never Been Thawed, was filmed here. So I guess I'm just assuming. But yeah, I think he originally was from here. Cool. Cool. Well, there we go. I love it. Um, so where can people find you to support your artistic endeavors? Ooh, artistic endeavors. Um, yeah, Squishy Studios. So squishystudios.com is the easiest way if you want to check out some of our short films or our uh, feature film project, uh, the last movie ever made that's basically finishing up its film festival run. So hopefully we'll have some news in terms of when it comes out for in uh, on the uh, the normal platforms for for uh, rent or purchase excellent that's exciting yeah um you can find me at the neighborhood comedy theater in downtown mesa arizona or at nctphoenix.com you can find us at most excellent pod on the instagrams and the facebooks and uh you probably heard a little commercial for this at the top of the episode but uh if you're still here with us at the end and you want a little bit more nathan and chrissy um please subscribe uh, and become a member of our uh, channel on truestory.fm just a few bucks a month you get the episodes a week early and you get some extra special chitty chitty chat chat with Nathan and Chrissy at the end of the episode. So sign up there, support the pod. We appreciate you. And while you're out there enjoying your holiday season, please keep the most excellent 80s movies podcast motto in mind. Be excellent to each other and party on. Party on. Dudes. Dudes.